Stephen, James, question of the day. But first, let's introduce our guest host of the day, Manoush Samrodi. That is such Manoush. a delicious name. <laughs> Manoush, does it translate? Uh, kind of. Manoush means like daughter of the moon or something. Nice. Uh, I can and see that. Zamarodi's an area in the Persian Empire where emeralds come from. Mm, so wait a minute. Daughter daughter of the moon? Yeah, something like and that. And emeralds. Yeah. So it's very baby emerald. and mis- yeah, mysterious. Can- so we have a guest host. Manoush also does the podcast Note to Self on WNYC. It's a tech show, but... You sound apologetic. <laughs> well, I feel like very, people We're think- very sorry, Manoush. Note to self, they think it's self-help, but it's kind of not. Oh. It's really more of a tech show. I like, I've always liked the phrase note to self. I I've like used it, it as a writer in a kind of, in that quasi-ironic way. Note I, to yeah. self. And you know, I don't like the word tech, actually. I don't either. Because I feel like, okay, everything now is tech. Like, yeah. we're, all, we're all living in a tech world. I don't like That's the like word, using the word cyber. Yeah. yeah. No, well, that word nothing. died. Yeah. I don't like the word table. <laughs> can we get rid of that? <laughs> we can. I will never use that word in front of you again. Appreciate it. I'm in a criticism. statistical table, I'm okay with that. It's somehow you're this kind so of table. You're so snooty. You're, you're okay with it at a statistical table. Somehow it just like Can we the table legs... this discussion? Oh, uh, you know, verbally, Wait I'm okay second. with it. I'm okay as what, a verb. What just happened Hey, there? my daughter made up a good word. Can I share it with you? Yeah. Goodly. You know how kids, everybody, I mean, adults, confuse good and well? How you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? I'm doing good. Goodly solves it. How I'm you doing? Toe. Done. Doing goodly. That's now a word. Okay. I, so say I. How you doing today, James? Good. And I have a question for the two of you. How you doing today, James? Uh, goodly. There you go. <laughs> did I did I pass the test? You passed the test. Okay, pass this test. And I know you're going to have an answer for this. That's a great piece call, of. That's a great piece I'm of segueing. Can money really buy happiness? Absolutely. No. Because uh, you know, there's Manoush, this, You want to answer this first? Well, I just I want to set a little bit of context because Stephen and I have spoken about this before, where there is a study that shows yes. up to a certain income level, and in most of the country, it's about seventy thousand right. dollars. There is increasing happiness, and then it shows after seventy thousand dollars in income, there's less and less happiness. Right. But I do not like that study at all. Why? So, because a, it's very geographic and probably demographic oriented. And the, if you read the study itself, they very much acknowledge that. But you have to find a number to represent. I, I don't know because there are some billionaires out there who are deeply unhappy. I think that a lot of it depends on the context of what you're buying as well. But you guys answer my question first. The question specifically again was: Can money buy you happiness, or does money make you happy? Well, okay, it's twofold. The question comes from Quora, actually. Quora.com. Can money really buy happiness? If yes, then how? And if not, then what can bring happiness? Money bought me happiness because um, I went to college, right? My parents were able to pay for me to go to college. I did not have any loans. Therefore, I became self-sufficient economically very, very quickly when I, wanna, I graduated. I want your parents to be my parents. Okay, let me ask you a question. I'm just going to challenge okay, you. We've so, heard your college challenge. And here's the thing. Here I am, middle-aged and all, and I love, love, love my job. That, to me, is money-buying happiness. I don't have to pack widgets or, God forbid, take care of small children for a living. I get to do something where I use my brain. But That's I, I, happiness. It sounds me. like money sort of bought you happiness, but not quite. Like Can we you, just you, clarify, did, are you trying to say that you hate small children? Or because you're a mother, you wouldn't want to do it for a living? She hates widgets. Correct. I try. Yeah, I what do you hate widgets. more, widgets or taking care of Because <laughs> if I had just heard that eight— seconds of tape, I would think, oh my God, she's this a horrible mean. person. She's I tried to be a stay-at-home mom. I was not good at it. Is that right? Yeah. You, you didn't stay at no. home? You just went out, left the kids? <laughs> no. 
But it's, it sounds like then less money for you than others would buy happiness because you're finding happiness in your job, you know, which you do most of the day. A lot of people aren't happy in their jobs or some portion of the population is not happy in their job, so that's going to change the money equation for That them. means a lot to me. I know a lot of people don't care as much about their job, live, live to work, not work to live. Yeah, see, you know, Manoush, you've accused us um, in the past of being white men, which we are, and having, therefore, a very skewed um, perception on, you know, everything. White men men with glasses. White men with glasses. (laughs) Very privileged population. uh, Atlantic. White men with glasses. And in our defense, I think we have acknowledged our... uh, Whiteness. Whiteness, our menness, our privilege, and the fact that all of those things conspire to skew one's view of the world. But I have to say this. I think you have just joined us in that privilege silo. Oh, yeah. In that— Just by hanging out I with think us? <laughs> <laughs> I think having three people who really enjoy what they do for a living yes. really puts us in a relatively small group. And it's very, very easy to forget that most—that many people— see their occupations as a thing that you have to do to pay your bills and to support your family. And I think when you're doing something that you've chosen to do and that you really look forward to and like, I'm not saying that a lot of people don't, I think a lot, I know a lot of people do like their jobs, but it really is a different path entirely. And so I love your conclusion that college was the money, the investment that got you to the happiness, but it's not a guarantee, obviously. That, In other words, I don't know if that's so generalizable because there are a lot of people who go to college and end up with perfectly suitable educations and get jobs that they don't like. So, so, yeah, so true. I'll, I'll offer up, though. In uh, other words, you might have been just as happy and you might have found a job that you love as much, if not more, without the investment that you think is causal of your happiness. Well, that's I, all I'm I saying. I do think it is causal, though. To me, it also provided an entree into a certain world, right? It meant that I met certain people and people assumed I had certain credentials that they might not have necessarily Mm -hmm. assumed and that I was in certain circles. All of those things really, really count, even if they're not as important now in 2016. Where'd you go to college? Georgetown University. And when you went to Georgetown, it cost, let's say, maybe 20 grand a year, roughly. So you're saying that what would have happened, Manoush, if your loving parents... Uh Uh-huh. Instead of sending you to Georgetown for four years, it said, Manoush, here's a hundred grand, mm-hmm. and we believe in you. And, he never would have said that, but <laughs> <laughs> um, do you? So let's just entertain for a moment the counterfactual, because you're asserting here that yeah. the money that bought you the college is what bought you the occupation you now have, which resulted in your happiness. I was not mature enough to have taken that money and invested it in myself in a wise mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. I needed that safe space to explore intellectually, socially, all those things. I'm backing off on this one. As You're Nathan, recusing uh, yourself. As David, our producer, has reminded us. Because as our mothers all used to say, if you don't have something nice to say about college, don't say anything James, at all. James, did you go to did you go to college? I did go to college, but I also wrote a book, 50 Alternatives to College, because I don't oh, want— Oh, right, I forgot. I don't want my daughters to go to college. Give us, what do you of, want them to do then? I wouldn't mind whatever they did except college. But, okay, so let's <laughs> say— I think I think you, they've already spent the first 18 years of their life hanging out with people of the exact same demographic and the exact same age, and 18 is a great time to get a head start on all the people who are going to college and start hanging out in the real world instead— where you're not always hanging out with people of this exact same age and cultural you demographic. Con- you're ex- assuming that your daughters at the age of 18 are going to have the emotional maturity to be able to handle that situation and learn from it. I'm not—I think 18-year-olds are pretty young. Hey, these are altitures. 
<laughs> no, you have any idea how right. mature an eighteen-year-old Altitude is? It's like a twenty-three-year-old oh, Zamarodi. Right. <laughs> My she, no, but she's right though. But I think at twenty-two, they're not necessarily mature either. So why not start getting real-world experience? So maybe by the time they're twenty-two, they're more mature than the average twenty-two-year-old coming out of college. At twenty-two, Altitudes actually go dormant for six years. <laughs> so they're they're a little bit different. Those four years. Different breed, yeah. <laughs> question of the day. We'll return in a minute. Thanks. How should I manage my money? Whether you are a multi-million dollar investor, like James Altucher, or just starting out, the answer is Betterment. Today is the perfect day to take control of your financial future, and Betterment, America's largest automated investing service, can help you do that. Five years ago, Betterment created the first automated investing service, to help make it easier and less expensive to make better financial decisions, from building wealth to staying on track for retirement. Betterment's smarter technology provides personalized investment advice based on your financial goals, and since your Betterment account invests with your personal goals in mind, you'll have added peace of mind. Don't be mistaken. Betterment is not a day trading tool. It is an easy-to-use way for experienced investors to confidently manage their portfolios in a less expensive way. Betterment is already managing billions of dollars for more than 100,000 customers. Don't you want to be a smarter investor? Remember, it is never too late to save for retirement or any other reason, maybe a business startup, etc., etc. And Betterment has changed the industry by making investing easier and at a lower cost. Sign up today on your computer or smartphone and get up to six months of automated investing free and more information when you go to Betterment.com slash question. That's Betterment.com slash question. Betterment. Investing made better. So wait. Okay. Hang on. Dubner. Let's get back to the original question Does here. money buy happiness? Does money buy happiness? You've heard my reason. So I would say that if I had to give a one-word answer, I'm going to say mostly, yeah. And the reason, so I so I could talk, I, I like this question, and I like this topic because I've thought about it like my whole life for a number of reasons. As an individual, I grew up in a family that was very, very happy, but no money, okay? Um, I always wanted to make some money because when you're a kid, then an adolescent, like you realize that money is valuable to get you the things that you would like, especially things that your friends have that you do not have. So you, you realize that value really quickly. And then, you know, you become an adult in the work world, et cetera, et cetera. And I liked the fact that, you know, New York, for instance, is an expensive city and I wanted to live here. And I realized that, you know, it's real. So I have thought about a lot. Then as someone who came to really like economics and particularly behavioral economics, you see all the different ways in which you think you make decisions about money that are often very woolly and very, I don't want to call them irrational because that's been the old argument. I think in some ways they are rational, but we make a lot of decisions around money that are imbued with a ton of emotion and psychology and even theology and all this stuff. So I realize this is that when you ask this question, James, about money and happiness, it is such a multi-tiered question that so many people could answer on so many different dimensions. Mm. And that's why I like it. All that said, sorry, that was a long preamble. If I had to say yes or no, does it? I would say yes for the following reason. When you don't have money or when you are constantly concerned about having enough money to do the things you need to do, like have a place to live and feed yourself and maybe have a place to live and feed people that you love or maybe even don't love so much, the stress of not having enough to cover your costs is a huge, huge, huge stress. 
And if you look even in this country, the richest country in the history of the world, and you look in the lower, let's say, 20 to 30 percent, you see even in this richest country in the world, a hu- many, 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 many millions of people don't have enough money to weather one small emergency, like the car breaking down entirely. And when you're living with that kind of stress, can you be happy and poor? Absolutely. Can a bunch of money help, however, alleviate a lot of stressors that give you the opportunity to be more consistently happy? Absolutely, yes. And that's why, I mean, this sounds like a this is turning into some Milton Friedman-y freedom of choice, you know, up with free market economics. No, but I'm that's thinking why, socialism right now. That's what oh, I'm thinking. Oh, God, I'm, I, I'm not. I'm thinking drive social. No, because, I mean, it does sound like socialism, except socialism never has worked. Hello, Scandinavia. Denmark, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. If I'm I'll, saying out of that, out of this argument, because you feel you've been so mean to Scandinavia in the past. No, I just don't think any ism really works. There has to be a psychology of the culture and and the demographic to look. I could even say it in defense of the Danish form of society and their socialism. But I think the single biggest freedom that people tend to overlook. We get really, really, really agitated about freedoms of speech and religion, which are important. But the freedom to earn a living in a good way mm. is not something that we bake into our political and our social discourse, and I think that's a real drag. You know, mm-hmm. the only the, the issue I have with it is I totally agree. You need to uh, make ends meet, and that provides a certain level of happiness. But many people do that and are still unhappy because they have the bigger houses and the bigger cars and the more expensive watches and, and so on. And they it's the whole keeping up with the Joneses thing. Like, you know, that saying, you know, you're... you're you know, your happiness depends on whether you're making more or less than your brother-in-law or whatever. So it's this whole kind of keeping up with whatever hierarchy you put yourself in. So I think kind of a useful exercise— That's why you have to encourage your sister to marry poor people. (laughs) That's right. So I I think a useful exercise to get to kind of the level of happiness where you, you know, when you say you enjoy your job and that makes you happy— what you're really doing is you, you enjoy your experience. A job is not like a possession, right? So you're enjoying a certain experience, the experience that you've chosen as your job. And so I think just a useful exercise for me is I try to always buy experiences rather than items. So for instance, I tend to live out of one bag. I try to own as few things as possible. But I do, when I make money, I try to put it into experiences that I can look forward to, I can enjoy while they're happening, I can look back and think fondly on them. And that, for me personally, I feel increases my happiness. I don't know what you would gotta, happen otherwise. That's your jam, then. Like, I get that. Like, I think that's your jam. And it took me a long time to realize how important it was for me to know that my job had purpose and meaning. Like, that, I thought I was going to do something else. And then, no, I think that's the real self-reflective question. And maybe some people, I mean, I had a friend who was like, I really don't care what job I have. I want to go, like, I like hiking. I want to live in the mountains. That's what I want to be able to afford to do. And so... Do you sometimes wish that you were like that? Does that seem easier to fulfill? Yeah, totally. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it seems, I mean, not not that it's stupid. It just seems simple, like living the simple mm. life, right? We all sort of yearn. I think that's a lot of people, that's why they are making pickles for a living or they're, uh, I don't know, making soap, whatever. I think There's that like, must be hard on your hands to make the pickles. If you ha- can afford to follow your bliss, then do it, don't you think? I mean, I think it's drawing the line. I think there are some people who think that they should make more money because they can, but... It, you know, it's a good thing that asking questions and not fully answering them is our bliss here. <laughs> exactly. 
you know most everything? Stick around to see if you know the answer to next episode's question. Hey, everybody, it's Paul Shear. What? I have a podcast with June Diane Raphael and Jason Manzukas. This kid's story is bonkers. We watch the worst movies ever made. It's baffling. Oh, no. And it could not have gotten it more wrong. And then we try to figure out how did this get made? I felt sick. I felt really what upset. Dude, what Boom. is happening? Boom, nailed it. What exactly is a street fighter? <laughs> Listen to How Did This Get Made on Earwolf or your favorite podcast app. We would love it if you did. On the next question of the day. This one's a good one to go off on lots of tangents. I think like having curiosity and asking questions is better than being a know-it-all and having all the solutions. So you'll we- prove to us that you believe that then. To yes, the yes. Okay, so here's my question. Is right. it worth having a personal website in this day and age? 